Local environment heroes Saving the trees and the bees And doing it daily Welcome to the Local Environment Heroes podcast, a podcast that brings you a series of chats with some amazing local heroes from here in Canberra and from further afield who are doing ace things for our world. The podcast is produced and supported by the Canberra Environment Centre and your hosts are me, Fiona Vakenen, Director of the CEC and Julie Bolton, a sustainability strategist based here in Canberra. Local Environment Heroes. I'm really sad about this episode because I, Fiona, didn't get to partake in it, unfortunately. Yeah. So, Julie. I had the pleasure of chatting to Zoe McMahon and Fred McGrath-Weber, and it was it was so great to, to sit down with them and chat about regenerative farming, local food, and why it's so much better. And I actually had the pleasure of working with Zoe McMahon here at the Canberra Environment Centre, and we have a little bit too much fun together most of the time. So, so tell me, tell me about Zoe and Fred. Yeah. So I first met Zoe probably 2007. Like we go way back. Um, in the sculpture studio at art school. She was a child. <laughs> Her mum was a teacher in sculpture. Anyway, Amanda Stewart. She's gorgeous. Um. Zoe and Fred, they live out at Majura Valley Farm and they are super passionate young growers and they talk to me about what regenerative farming is and why it makes a difference. So yeah, it was really good to chat with them and they're both super creative people making jewellery and sculpture and photography and it's so refreshing to talk to people who don't pretend that they know it all already. They're open to new things and it's just makes you want to go out there and plant a seed. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I really yeah. wish I could have been there for that chat. Unfortunately, I was down in Melbourne having a little break. Um, but I am going to listen to this because yeah. there's so much that I reckon I need to know from Zoe and Fred. Like regenerative agriculture is a term that is increasingly being thrown around and I'm not sure there's a lot of understanding about what it means and so I think having them explain it to us will be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing which I took away from that chat was really how how much of a family affair it is to run a farm and produce great local food, even the role of um, having someone in the family who's really good at fencing is important. Yeah. Like when you're thinking wildlife corridors and making sure the land is cared for and yeah, every family member has a role and it's all important. And so it's not about strength in isolation and being that martyr. It's about community, family connection and how we can achieve so much more together. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm, I'm tuning in yeah. right now. <laughs> Here we go. All right, Zoe and Fred. Thank you for having us. (laughs) So great to have you both here at the Canberra Environment Centre. And to launch straight into it, I'd love to know from each of you if there has been a defining moment in your life where you've looked at the world around you and thought something needs to change now. I can go first. Yeah. I feel like I had many as a younger child where Mm. like just kind of moments where I've realized oh this is a big deal but I feel like the most kind of defining moment recently was and I'm sure most people there is the pandemic yeah where 
basic supplies were at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. There was panic. Everyone started making sourdough. Everyone started growing their own. And I also did that. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like that was the defining moment where I was like, okay, this is a fragile system and we need to kind of work on a more communal strength. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That's nice. How about you, Fred? Yeah, I think it was definitely something that was quite poignant and you could really see the impact that that had the pandemic on the food supply system. And for us, when we're selling produce and eggs and things from the farm gate shop, the the amount of people that kind of flooded to our shop, purchase eggs and things, I guess, in the panic buyers, that was quite interesting to see. Like the supermarkets have been hit as well, but how how we had all these new consumers, I guess, come to the shop to purchase fresh eggs and things like that. So, yeah, it was something that was quite interesting to see how those food supply systems did operate and the way mm. that people got into growing their own food or oh, more invested. Yeah, purchasing chickens. There's a lot more people that reached out to us about having backyard chickens or, yeah, being a bit more self-sufficient and more engaged, I guess, in the food that they're eating. Yeah. So for you was this moment of this fragile system and then the way people and you yourselves responded. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And so, okay, you've mentioned eggs, chickens, a farm gate. Can you can you guys describe where you live? Tell us more. What does it look like? Yeah, sure. So the farm that we live on is Madura House, which is the oldest continued working farm in the ACT. And it's the oldest inhabited house in the ACT too. So oh, wow. it, it dates back to Duntroon Homestead, yeah. which uh, was one of the pioneering, mm-hmm. I guess, settler areas in this uh, district. And and so, yeah, we're, our proximity to the city is super close. We've got about a hundred acres there. It's headlined by my mum, Anne McGrath, and Real Family Affair, my brother and sister, Archie and Joe, yeah. involved in the farm as well, and Zoe and myself. And, yeah, we have the farm gate sales that we sell direct to the consumer. So, so can I turn up tomorrow and what can, what can I buy if I Absolutely. turn up tomorrow? <laughs> We're open seven days, every, like every day of the year, even Christmas Day. Yeah. From... In summer, it's 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And in winter, we close a little earlier because it gets yeah. dark and cold. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we supply free-range eggs, um, produce, other consumables from local producers. And in the season, we have lamb as well. So we do lamb boxes by yeah. order. Yeah. Um, and the lamb on our property. Sounds um, exciting. Yeah, thing. And then we've also got veggies, so produce as well. Yeah. What what are each of your roles on the farm? Do you have particular things that each of you do? Yeah, like so um mum kind of runs most things and particularly around the free range egg business. Mm-hmm. So everything involved with the looking after the chickens and uh making sure that we've got a constant egg supply, moving the sheds because the sheds are mobile and move around the paddocks. As well as the egg collection, which happens every day, and so that's that's headlined by mum, as well as mm-hmm. a lot of the other farming activities. And 
then it's a bit of a um, team effort for a lot of the other stuff we do, like sunflower maze activations and different tourism stuff. That's a bit of a group effort where so people sunflower maze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then, and then yeah, shearing, lamb carding, hay carding, all those different activities that happen around the farm on a calendar year. They're they're all a bit of a group effort, and then I primarily more hands-on fixing things and also it's a bit more mini engagement or looking for opportunities for growth yeah. in the business. Yeah. And how about you, Zoe? What I, we- I focus most of my time in growing produce Yeah. Um, in the market garden, which is only a couple of years old, but before that, just try and help where I could. Um, what are you growing at the moment? What's flourishing in Canberra winter? In winter. <laughs> um, at the moment we have, we've just finished Jerusalem artichokes. Um, we have a lot of different types of brassicas, so broccoli and kale, and I've got some snow peas. So, and is that available at the farm shop? Yeah, or? so they're available through the farm shop and um, sold in small quantities to local restaurants as well. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah, so Archie, Archie's a really gun fencer, so he does a lot of work improving all the fences around our property, and that's had a real impact on the way that we can manage our our farm and pastures and rotate our sheep and cows and horses and chickens around the farm. Um, so that's been something that he's really been focused on, as well as he's very good at managing the livestock and things as well, um, and really handy his hands and building too. Yeah. And um, then my sister, Josephine, she gets involved um, when she comes down on holidays and things and uh, also helps mum out a lot with the accounting and book. Yeah. But she's very good. Yeah. 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 Oh. So it's, wow, it's a real family affair. Yeah. 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 Everyone's cool. in. And we got a few employees that work yeah. part-time and, yeah. and other friends who come along and get involved so so it's a really big sort of group community effort yeah definitely yeah yeah so I've read a little bit about I've done a little bit of research into Madura Valley Farm and I kept on seeing the words regenerative and holistic related to the farm and I'm wondering if you can tell me more about what what these words mean and what that looks like like how would that be different to an ordinary farm hmm yeah, well, the I guess the way that we manage our livestock, particularly the chickens, where yeah. they're not stationary, they move around the paddocks in mobile sheds, and we've got 11 sheds, and the effluent, which is normally a problem, but that's the droppings from the chickens, Yeah, for most operations is, is a benefit for us because it those chickens that move around the paddocks, the droppings fall onto the ground and then that improves the soil quality. And, uh, yeah, my parents started that free range operation 13 years ago. And so now I've really seen the benefit of, of that. And that's shown through lots of soil tests over the years. So that's one element of that regenerative and holistic approach to how we manage the farm is the, it's concentrating the livestock in particular areas so they have impact on the soil. For a um, short amount of time rather than overdoing it. Yeah, and then 
like really analyzing that and monitoring it and yeah, working with it as well as working with nature. So uh, we've planted a lot of trees over the years mm-hmm. and mum's forged a lot of partnerships with Green Australia as well as Landcare ACT. So yeah. we've got lots of wildlife corridors and things across the farm. So, mm-hmm. And the other thing that we're looking at doing more of is the within the holistic management is we work together as the key decision makers in the family um, to create a holistic context. So that's kind of visions and goals that what we want the farm to look like, our business, the environment, our relationships, our work-life balance, all those yeah. type of things and how that looks collectively. And then when decisions are made, you kind of use that as a reference point. So that's something that's, yeah, quite valuable and something that we can continue to build on future. And we're b- going back into the regenerative farming, the sheds that um, are solar powered and on wheels. So after about two weeks when the chickens have done the dropping high in nitrogen yeah. and scratched into the soil, yeah. they get moved to another patch mm-hmm. um, where they can start there and then usually plants rye or barley in that field so that yeah. the cows are then fed and sheep oh, are then wow. fed. Oh, wow. So it's all fed. integrated. All integrated. Wow. And, I mean, for example, um, in March we planted corn where the chickens had been and then mm-hmm. fed the community with the corn um, and picked that and took it to market. So the cows came in afterwards and ate down the corn and then – and so it's just like this aid effect. How how – how does regenerative farming apply to the market garden side of things? Ooh. <laughs> well, I um, I follow a lot of mentors, um, one being Jean-Martin Fortier, who is a market gardener in Quebec, and he he works with a succession planning where you lay lots of compost, which we have compost farm shops, so I'm able to use, and worm castings and, and make it like a mounded, effect mm. um, a high turnover rate of different types so i'm i'm looking into more of a, a um biodiverse mm. um method where i can plant multiple things in the one garden bed rather than it being quite a single crop yeah each season so how would that be different from the veggies that you buy from the supermarket question i'm going to think about that one um well, the freshness, the low food miles, the nutrient like yeah. levels in each thing. So when yeah. so when we think of regenerative farming and supporting local farmers and local food systems, a totally different ballgame. Yeah. Nutrition, I, food nutrition, miles. Nutrition, food miles, flavor. flavor. <laughs> um, yeah, I reckon. And also packaging. Yeah. Um, How do you package well, the only thing pretty much in the entire shop that we produce in plastic is lettuce. Um, the eggs are in um, compostable carton um, and pretty much everything else is in compostable paper bags. The lettuce, I'm trying to figure out how to keep it fresh mm. that long without using yeah. plastic. Um, so that's, Tricky. that's something I'm working on. But at the moment, we're predominantly plastic-free. Yeah. Amazing. So you're really considering all elements of the operation Mm -hmm. rather than just one thing by itself. Definitely. 
talked a bit about how the benefits of this kind of farming, but how would you say that it impacts the environment or it improves the environment like that incredible um, Mount Majura? Yeah, for us, our focus is really on how we can work nature and really have an impact on fauna and flora as well as having an economic return from farming uh, where our property isn't necessarily that large in terms of grand scheme of things, but it is profitable and sustainable. So, yeah, we, we when you look around and walk around our property, the, the amount of native fauna and flora you see and the yeah. abundance of birds and yeah. things like that, that's, yeah, that's something that's always really inspiring and, um, yeah, makes you feel like you're definitely in the right track. Yeah, lots of native bees as well. Ooh. And you also mentioned soil testing as well. Soils are... So, yeah. so those tests would indicate that what you're doing mm. is working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we also have the, the creek going through our property, which mm. is in great condition. Water tests like that. So mm. Yeah, and it's obviously the property being so old that previous, those before us put a lot of work into yeah. identifying where the best land to farm is. Yeah. The creek has natural springs and great soils and things around it that definitely have a huge impact on our abilities. Yeah. Zoe and Fred, how how would you say the average person can be involved? They care about local food, but not really sure where to start. How could how can we get amongst it? I feel like Canberra is really dense with urban gardens and community gardens and green things. Yeah. And um I've seen people growing um community veggie gardens out the front of their verge, you know, yeah. like that people can take when they need. Um, there's also heaps of workshops around, but I'd say just get your hands dirty, get in touch with the um, urban farmers. You can volunteer, you can make your own urban farm. Um, we have, I mean, as Fred mentioned earlier, the sunflower maze where people come out and pick their own corn, pick their own flowers and can kind of get a vision of an active farm. Um, so, yeah, I feel like kind of making those connections would be the first step. Yeah, and it seems like when you start to value where your food comes from, mm. then you're less likely to waste it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, 100%. I always encourage shopping at the farmer's market mm-hmm. as a good way to make that connection directly with that producer. And yeah. it does make you appreciate the food more and it ends up being a lot less food waste than yeah. in your household. So. Yeah. That's something that I guess puts you on the right foot and the quality and the uh, the things that you end up purchasing from the farmer's market and it ends up being like a weekly staple. Which yeah. You kind of can't go without. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a really good way to kind of start your day in a much better atmosphere Um, being outdoors and surrounded by all that produce and usually there's some Music and different things yeah. too, yeah. whether Delicious it's the food. Yeah, oh. Epic or the Southside Farmer's Market or there's a market in Hague Park. Or, yeah, or, so many wonderful markets yeah. in our region. Absolutely, Bungendore Farmer's Market. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, an example would be Fred has 
his bacon every week. And yeah. it got to the point where we were buying it from Wagga Wagga Butcher. Yeah. Um, where yeah, he, he couldn't stomach Birch, yeah. the, um, like the normal store-bought bacon anymore because it didn't taste the same. So we had to go <laughs> and get the bacon each week. Which now, now we, just, we have in our shop. Yeah. <laughs> now I can just buy it directly from the farm gate shop. Yeah, yeah. nice. So, yeah. nice. The quality wow. is just like you can't compare it. Yeah, and similar thing that they definitely align with the type of business we like to operate in farm, where they have all the pigs on their own property and they're free range and mm. they they're butchered on their farm and all that type of thing. So it's not very like much minimal stress and yeah, yeah. they like they they've kind of got that whole food to for process um and that's something that we try and do with our branding and what we do about this absolutely that's amazing a week starting off without the farmers markets like doesn't feel right <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly would you say one of the biggest barriers in canberra to local food is that we need more local producers or more local eaters, more of us buying and eating local food? Or, like, is there an imbalance there? Like, or I feel like the imbalance would be the local producer. So we need more local producers and yeah. we need to support them. Yeah, I mean, or, if you go to the Saturday or Sunday markets, mm-hmm. they're swarming with well, eaters that want to do yeah, the Yeah, right so the thing. demand is there. The demand is there. And, and for example, especially when we have our sunflower season, we cannot keep eggs on the shelf. Yeah. Shop is empty no matter yeah. how often we fill it up. So it, it definitely, there's the demand there, but I'd say that the producers, we need to be able to up that up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of protecting the prime agricultural areas in the ACT and ensuring that there is a appropriate development across the ACT that mm-hmm. does put a real value on yeah. land. It yeah. doesn't necessarily look at agricultural land as just a land bank for development. And often that's kind of been the case and why the sector has fallen away from having 13 dairies in the 1950s just in the Majuro Valley area, Fishwick and all that type of area to now well, we having zero, zero. Mm. and Amber Milk is... Outsourced, isn't outsourced, it? Like Penrith yeah. or something. Yeah, it's mm. in Penrith. And mm. Like the closest dairy we have to Canberra now is Tilba probably. Yeah, and, which is delicious. <laughs> yeah, which, which we stock in our shop. Um, but, yeah, looking at how, how we can encourage a lot of those industries mm-hmm. in the ACT. So some of that is through innovation and supporting those local industries to develop but it's also through that security and making sure that there is a future yeah rural land in the ACT yeah. uh, but also about that different land use as well not everyone's going to be producing food so looking at those that are contributing towards ecosystems and the ecology yeah. and protecting the environment and stewards for the land so was where multiple mm. so making sure that that's recognised in an agricultural strategy and yeah. that's something that we're really going to see and, this year or next year. And in terms of recognition, I know, Fred, you won an award recently <laughs> or two or two awards even. <laughs> yeah. What, what were the awards? What did you win? Oh, there's 
That was just for the oh, Landcare <laughs> Young Leadership Award. And yeah, that was, uh, that was good. It was mainly just for the work done in the agricultural space. But yeah, a lot of those awards and things are, are the result of the people around me and the I accomplish the outcomes and the goals of how surrounded by many good people. So it's not very modest. Local environment heroes. All right. Um, we're going to go to our five hero question. So, Zoe, you first. Congratulations. You have just been elected the president of the world. What is the one change you try to implement first? Firstly, thank you. <laughs> I'm honored. Um, in the risk of repeating myself, I think um, implementing some kind of education program in schools about mm. f- growing food mm. and the importance of knowing how to grow your own food and, and where it comes from. Like um, we've had families come to the farm that haven't even seen how certain things are grown um, and kind of being in awe of that and touching a cow for the first time, which is just, it's really beautiful to watch, but it's also quite sad. Um, so I think. Uh, having that kind of exposure from a young age would be really great um, and making it accessible to do so yeah. in the near future would be yeah. my first yeah. <laughs> action. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Fred, congratulations. You have just been voted president of the world. Um, what is the one change you tried in first? Um, I don't know. I think probably big one is the way that resources are allocated where it's probably focused on company profits and that's something that I think should really belong to the people of the country. So ensuring that there's definitely a percentage profits that are fed back into the the country of origin it's going across the world and making sure that, that Well you can... are the president of the world. So that's yeah. no problem for you, Fred. Yeah. Yeah. Resources and different things that aren't necessarily renewable, making mm-hmm. sure that they are filtered back through and then bringing people out of poverty in a way. And yeah. a bit more fair and equitable in that sense, I think. Mm. Yeah. All right, Zoe, it's 2030. Describe the world that you see around you. Mm. Well, I see, optimistically, I see um, a very colourful community-based world um, where, as Fred said, instead of things being discarded that are a surplus, they're being shared and given around to other communities. I feel like lots of food forests and things like Robinson, a lot more kind of micro-forests, climate mm-hmm. cooling, yeah. streetscapes. Um, yeah, I, f- I see a lot more of a, a green thumb. Um, yeah. Love it. I'm there for it. Yeah. Fred, how about you? 2030. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of targets out there. Mm. The 3030 targets and different uh, targets around net zero. So whether or not those are on track, I guess we'll find out. So the best thing would be is having all that type of stuff looking quite positive and, yeah, our future on this earth a bit more certain and locally making sure that we've got a bit more sustainability and focus on those food systems mm. circularity within our own systems and then 
yeah, I think there's real push for that. And I think there is a pretty positive future that can be achieved. Yeah. Um, now, question number three, who are your environmental heroes? Both of us to answer one or? Um, yeah, well, you can both tell me some. Yeah, you can well, tell me a we couple each. We were thinking each. about this last night and we are thinking like on a macro scale and a micro yeah, scale. Yeah, love it. Um, so my macro scale one, I have so many, but I'm going to narrow it down to Jean-Martin Fortier. Yes. Who I talked about earlier. Yes. Um, I was recommended to look him up when I was thinking about starting this market garden and he just makes everything so not easy, but understandable. It's oh, not like this huge yeah. project. It's like one step at a time, yeah. giving you all the knowledge. He really just wants to share that and make it a thing rather than gatekeep his Oh, I love skills. this. This is giving I me goosebumps. I know, I know. <laughs> and, and yeah, so he's he's definitely a guru for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, smaller scale, but not any less valuable is Fiona Burning. Yes. Who you Amazing. interviewed in season one. <laughs> Um, or also known as Ainsley Urban Farm and yes. her partner, Michael, yep. I, um, adore those mentors and they work similarly to Jean-Martin where they yeah. share everything. They just want it to be a normal thing, um, to have this kind of knowledge rather than keeping it to themselves. Yeah. And they're so generous. Um, and they have the most incredible garden where they have like 53 fruit trees on a normal <laughs> suburban block. With three hives and chickens and rabbits. Um, And, yeah, so I think that those two are my environmental heroes. Cool. Mm. How about you, Fred? Uh, Yeah, I guess on a macro scale, Joel Salatin from Polyface Farms in the U.S. And he pioneered a lot of the stuff around renewable, regenerative farming Mm. and the, I guess, looking at the way that, and disrupt a lot of those uh, systems in the U.S., which are focused on a kind of monoculture, monoculture approach. Yeah, and looking at having a bit more of a broader sense in the way that we do things on the farm. And Mum and Dad were definitely inspired by him when they got started. Yeah, with the free range egg business, mm-hmm. and yeah, having having things mobile and looking at the whole system and how. The animals can be integrated and work together. That's something that definitely an inspiration for how we've done things on our farm and the way that he communicates a lot of the complexity around that. And yeah, it makes makes it quite easy for people to understand how they can practice that and also the philosophy about how to be inclusive mm. and why people might have a polarizing opinion doesn't necessarily mean they're wrong and leading by action, I guess, can bring them on the journey rather than, I guess, being polarizing. Separating them. Yeah, of course. And then, yeah, mum's definitely an inspiration um, in terms of her environmental impact, the tens of thousands of trees that plant over the years on the farm and her work ethic. Is pretty oh inspiring. <laughs> no one compares. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, definitely. And then that kind of has had ripple effects and I guess the way that the you see things kind of do take a long time, like 20 plus years, but how that kind of has an impact on the wider community. Yeah, and she's she's 
so inclusive, isn't she? She just tries to get everyone in on the action. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like she just wants to <laughs> yeah, share we, it. We often have people on tours, politicians and, you know, local groups, gardening groups. Schools. And ANU, yeah. universities. So getting more people involved, yeah. engaged, we think is definitely just more beneficial for our business, but agriculture more broadly in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So do you each have a hot tip for being more environmentally friendly? Uh, I feel like Camille DeBerr, Low Waste Lifestyle, said this in one of our workshops. Yeah. I really, um, I really resonated with it. And it was, it was that there was no shame in your actions and if they're, you know, having a positive effect, but just doing what can be done in your life so mm-hmm. that you're not being put out. Yeah. Um, so, for example, stepping back, looking at your day-to-day routine mm-hmm. and seeing if there are things in those day-to-day routines that you can change for the better, mm-hmm. um, reducing your waste, recycling in a different way, switching to a vegetarian diet some nights, little things that make a bigger picture, um, but really just being more aware of your actions rather than kind of ignoring them. Without shame. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Fred? Probably the key thing is like getting involved with the food supply chain. So like I suggested earlier, connecting to the producers, whether it be through your like food um, markets and things on the weekend or, you know, directly um, – We've got the internet now. Yeah. <laughs> you can order food boxes for different things online. So, yeah, having that connection directly with that food source then really does make you appreciate more where your food comes from. And then from there, it kind of has ripple effects. Probably makes people want to get more engaged with growing or yeah. just more engaged with cooking food and cooking seasonal food. And yeah, uh, yeah, I think it can have a positive effect when yeah. you start to create those relationships. And Canberra is so dense with that, isn't it? Apart from the markets, there are IGAs that stock local produces, like mm-hmm. Ainsley IGA. We have so many urban farms that um, provide produce boxes weekly, I think, and on a subscription Like basis. Southern Harvest. Southern Harvest. Um, yeah. it's, it's really dense, so just yeah. a Google away, really. Yeah, <laughs> cool. All right, uh, so finally, do each of you have a slogan or a quote or a key message that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yes. I was thinking about so many other quotes, and I just love this one. It just came to my head, and Fred wrote it on our shop door. We have chalk doors. Yeah. Um, chalkboard doors. Yeah. Um, and it was super cute. It was forget miles we're talking food meters and i just yes. think that's so cool because <laughs> from the shop window you can literally see the chickens the market garden the sheep the cows um and i feel like that kind of applies to the whole of we continue to do this it's more meters rather than miles yeah support local yeah support local yeah that's <laughs> cool how about you fred um i don't know i think that there's Many quotes, 
good one, Catherine Keenan said recently to me, which was in regards to the agriculture sector in Canberra and a lot of planning decisions, the stuff that get made is probably nothing about us without us. So making sure that when decisions are being made, that they are inclusive of the landholders. And I think that bringing the landholders along in that journey with the planning system reform project and things is only going to have a positive impact because, you know, we all understand that the city needs to grow and there needs to be space for the environment and also for people to live and people to work. But there's, yeah, got to be a balance between a lot of the outcomes and make sure that people are all along on that journey. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Zoe and Fred, it's been such a pleasure to mm-hmm. sit down and have you both along for the podcast. It's a and for us. yeah, thanks for being here. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for having me. Thank you very much. Local environment heroes, saving the trees and the bees and doing it daily. Local Environment Heroes is recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people, the traditional custodians of the Canberra area. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging, and we recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and communities. Subscribe to the Local Environment Heroes podcast wherever you find your podcasts and keep in touch. Sign up to the CEC newsletter, check out the CEC website, canberraenvironment.org. Thanks for listening.